Levings was announced as our interim head football coach here at Austin State University. Usually this means a big press conference, reception, media tour, the whole thing. But if we can't do all that, we can do a podcast to help our fans get to know the new man in charge of our football program. Coach, how are you today? Colby, how are you doing, man? Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're the guy in charge of leading us to this to this next place, to whatever 20, whatever the heck 2020 or 2021 winds up looking like. I'm glad it's you that's taking the reins. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about you. Just kind of give us the overview, the background. Uh, background is I was born in, in Pasadena, California, and uh, so I stayed there for 10 years of my life. Uh, man, I got to live a good life, man. The Kings games, Dodger games, Laker games, and the Great Western Forum. Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags. I lived a good life, and then 10 years old, we kind of got out of there and uh, went to Gainesville, Florida. Uh, went there during a, a really good time, you know, with athletics there. You know, Steve Spurrier was rolling with the visor and won the 1996 national championship, and I was a season ticket holder, so I'll always remember that. Uh, so I was in Gainesville, Florida for my, for my uh, high school years. And then after that, uh, I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I was a walk-on football player there. Uh, part of our program uh, there, and then I graduated in 2006 with a broadcast journalism degree and a minor in political science. And then I wanted to see if I could, you know, find someone's football program to be a GA and learn how to be a coach, you know. And so uh, I applied to Mississippi State, and I got in and and uh, went to go see Melvin Smith or whatnot, and I said this is what I wanted to do, and he kind of helped me out. I was a volunteer at first. And so I took grad school classes. I worked at Harvey's, and I was a Domino's pizza delivery driver and uh, just trying to my, do my best to make ends meet and pay the bills and uh, and so after that I did that for three years with Coach Kroom and then then Dan Mullen transition happened and so I was with Dan Mullen after that <clears throat> uh, for two years and we went to the Gator Bowl and then after the Gator Bowl Coach Hud got a job at UL Lafayette uh, down in Lafayette Louisiana Cajun country and uh, I spent uh I guess I guess seven seasons down there, and uh, we went to five bowl games and won four of those things, and a uh, really really successful regime there. And then so I, in 2008, I was at Nickel State, and uh, we won the Southland Conference there, and uh, we went to the second round of playoffs, and lost to Eastern Washington out there in Spokane, and uh, and then after that, I was a I was a, I was a gov, and uh, Coach Hill was a gov, and he asked me to come on. And we had a magical, magical ride uh, last year, and I was just glad to be a small part of it. You graduated from Howard. What does that degree mean to you? Uh, people, a lot of people think, you know, you're saying Harvard all the time. It's Howard. But uh, it means a lot. You know, my mom went there, actually, and that's, uh, you know, how I kind of came about from that. My mom was a single mom, and obviously, you know, she had success there, and I guess my parents kind of sent her there. and. You know, kind of that's the vision she had for me. You know, I didn't earn a scholarship or anything like that, so I was kind of at her beck and mercy with her helping me out, you know, financially. But uh, Howard's a really po powerful place. I mean, my dorm was, I would say, no no more, no less than 30 blocks away from the White House. And so you're right there in the middle of things, you know. Uh, 
And so, it, you know, it is a very young professional business town, um, and it has a lot of culture to it uh, from that standpoint. So you get a little bit of city life, um, and and uh, it was good. I, I enjoyed Howard. I enjoyed D.C. I enjoyed being there for four years. I really did. I read somewhere that at one point you were pursuing a doctor. Is that correct? Yes, I was. At Mississippi State, I, uh, I, as I said, I was there for five years. So I got done with uh, my sports administration uh, degree or master's degree in 2008. And then uh, I went into higher education and uh, got into a doctoral program in higher education. So I did that. You know, I, that was not one of my goals. You know, my goals was always to get my master's degree and attain that. And, and I did that, and I was doing, you know, the uh, doctoral program because, you know, obviously I had to be a GA and I had to get my school paid for in order to be around the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And so that's what I did at that time. But, uh, you know, it's always there if I want to go back and, and, and get that done and pursue that part of my life. But it was never a goal of mine. It seems like there's a through line where everything has education as it, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you've done. I mean, I remember early on in the pandemic, uh, we did a thing, we did a little interview, and you were telling me that in your spare time you were trying to learn French and Spanish. That's right. Uh, one, how's that going? And two, you just seem like you like to learn and experience new and different things. I really do, man. Je m'appelle Marcus Levine's Etoile. You know, that's a little French right there. But, uh, yeah, I'm just blessed, man. I really am. I, my, my parents uh, – believe in education that starts off my grandmother you know I know she's the matrix of our family she's 90 years old she was a teacher in the public school system for I think 34 years and so education is really important in our family uh everybody has a degree and that's the expectation that you're supposed to have and uh you know going to school obviously I think during your younger years you got kind of get tired of tired of uh school but once you get older and find your niche of what you kind of really like you know, it's up to you about what you really want to learn. And I do. I, I want to learn a lot of different things. You know, um, going to Ghana last year and, and learning uh, Twee dialect, you know, that's something that kind of interests me. Uh, you know, learning the African culture and learning the Ghanaian way. And that was just eye-opening. But, yeah, French and, uh, and, and Spanish. Obviously, Spanish, I think, is the second language used in the United States. So that's something that you need. And, uh, you know, maybe not recruiting or anything like that, but – you know, just be able to communicate. You get into Uber and you want to communicate with people, you know, maybe they don't have uh, the English language well-versed. I mean, you always want to try to do that. And I know bits and pieces. I'm not well-versed in anything, but I do know bits and pieces, and I do love to learn. I, I really cherish uh, learning stuff, and I'm starting to learn to read more and read everything I can get my hands on from that standpoint, you know. Talk about your mission work in Ghana a little bit, because we did a thing last year right before the season started, and you you talked a lot about it, and it seemed like it was a really eye-opening experience for you. Yeah, and I, I'm a very humble person. I do like to serve others, and uh, it was a very humbling experience. Just traveling to Africa itself was good, you know, just learning what that's like. You know, is it what you see on TV or, or, or just take it through your own lens? And, you know, it was, what's so crazy about, you know, Ghana where I was at is that, Man, you might see what we call over here probably a $500,000 home, and then right next to it's a shack. And so uh, just the, the different codes that they have, you know, building-wise or, or, or just how people drive around their record slayer, even the Trotro, which, you know, we would think is a taxi, and how those guys kind of pick up people or even how, you know, their Walmarts or CVSs are right there on the street. I mean, people are selling things left and right, right there on the street. So it was really, really eye-opening, but I got a chance to work with Rafiki, uh, which was a um, an orphanage over there. And, um, 
you know, they teach people, you know, the Bible and, and what Jesus and what God's all about. But at the same time, man, those kids are so loved over there. And their culture is different because, you know, they have these um, they have these uh, gazebos, basically, and everybody hangs out in the gazebo. You know, nobody's inside watching TV or playing PlayStation. That's just not what they do. You know, they're around each other, you know, and some, some days are good and same days are bad. But I really learned a sense of togetherness that they have over there. And everybody's really, really nice and uh, awesome experience, really awesome. Did it give you an appreciation not only for everything that you've got in your life, but also kind of allow you to instill maybe a, a greater appreciation in some of your players? Like, hey, I know that, you know, we're working hard and everything else, but, man, you guys are so blessed to be Division One athletes. Colby, you couldn't have said any better. Just proper perspective on life and just know that, that uh, not so much we have it better for them because they're richer in other things than we are. But I guess at the same time, you know. Opportunity. When, maybe that's the word. Yeah. And, and – and the whole thing is, I mean, these guys are worried about getting an off-campus check and being on full scholarship, and, and those kids are, 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 you know, sometimes lucky to put, you know, two loaves of bread with some meat in between, and, and that's their lunch, you know. So it just provides perspective, you know, and uh, I really try to, you know, give that to the guys every day. And, and it might not even be about, you know, you know Ghana or, or my African experience, but just perspective in life, you know, and it can be different, you know. You have a broadcast journalism background, which means I think that you kind of understand the importance of the media and what not only not the the pros, what they can help you with, and the cons of what they can kind of be a detriment as. Is that something that as you enter into being a head coach, now you're kind of calling upon and, and really remembering some of those lessons? You know, to be honest with you, uh, I probably need to really brush up back on that. I mean, I know what B-roll is. I know what a VOSAT is. I mean, I, I know technical terms uh, from that aspect. Uh, you know, being confident, you know, not looking right into the camera. You know, all those little tidbits that you might, uh, you know, always remember. Uh, but the thing is, Miss Peggy Lewis was my professor at Howard University. It's just, it's just telling your story uh and being able to do it, you know, with a conversational piece and uh, and being able to do that. And so uh, she's given me a lot of confidence, you know, when I was at Howard University because I remember, you know, producing uh, different videos and, and, and different broadcasts and stuff like that. And and uh, just to see how everything works, you don't imagine, you know, the manpower and the hours that you need to, to really do all that stuff, to, to really know, you know, behind the scenes, you know, what it is. You know, I feel bad for guys who are just starting out in the industry and they're the only guys filming it cutting it and then putting it on so I really understand from that viewpoint of how that stuff works uh and so I have appreciation more and more for the people in journalism and I know they're just doing their job too when they ask crazy questions let's let's address the elephant in the room which is it's got to be awkward getting a head coaching job in the midst of a pandemic just what's it What's it like to – I mean, I know that it would be – there's always going to be a transition when there's a, a change in leadership at the top, but when you're having a change in leadership at the top and you're doing it via Zoom meetings and texts and phone calls and there's just not as much face-to-face, person-to-person interaction, describe the difficulty. Yeah, it's definitely tough, but then, you know, that's the way God wanted it, you know, so there's a reason – why it happened. I mean, I don't wish any ill will on Coach Hutt. I don't want it to come off like that. But there's a reason why it happened. Uh, you know, I'm the guy right now. You know, and I'm not the only guy trying to figure it out. Us as a whole staff are trying to figure out. You know, I just got off the staff meeting with our kids or, or, or a um, T 
team meeting with our kids, and I just told them, guys, be patient with us, you know, and the word of the day was sacrifice. And just having to sacrifice for one another and, and facing this invisible opponent that we're facing. Uh, we really, really are. But from a, from a standpoint uh, of me doing this for the first time, it is crazy. It is a whirlwind. I don't have all the answers. And uh, it's nerve-wracking sometimes and, and kind of mind-numbing as well. But uh, I have good people around me, good help, and uh, we're going to get through this and we're going to find uh, – we're going to get through this together basically, you know. Is that the biggest thing is to have quality people that you trust around you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, with any good business model, I think that you need to have people in the building that, first of all, are really talented, and we have that. I also think that it's good to have people support, and we have that. And, you know, also just about um, the support that they have and you understanding that you've been with them for a whole year and understanding how they – how they react and you know just what's good for them and uh i i really care for the guys in our building and i hope that they know that and uh, from a player standpoint uh to our staff uh we're going to be tighter and, and and uh i love them and i can't wait to get to work with them you've got a background on both sides of the ball offensive defense how has that shaped your perspective as you go into this year with where you're kind of you're the overarching guy you're not on defense or on offense mm -hmm. I think that helps me I think that helps me like I said I think the word of that is perspective you know I know what I'm talking about when you know I'm talking about the running backs or I know exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the D-line and I know there's little things that that I like philosophy wise you know things that uh, either I've been successful with in the past or things that I kind of know the in, ins and out of and uh, it really, really has helped, you know. Uh, going from a running backs coach to a D-line is, is some might think, is, you know, it's crazy. But really, uh, it's about repetition and, and getting those kids to do things over and over again at a very, very high level. And so um, it's been nothing but a blessing for me. I spent a little bit of time on special teams when I was at UL Lafayette. So I have a little taste of everything, you know. And uh, experience, you know, there's nothing like experience, you know. So – I have a little bit on each side of the ball, and that's that's going to be well served for me going in this role. And your the consistency, I think we keep we keep hitting on. You're bringing back your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator, and in this time of uncertainty, when you're just not, I mean, I think it's fair to say at this point, you're just not going to get the reps you would expect otherwise to keep the schemes consistent. So those kids who are coming back from last year have at least a general idea of what you're going to be doing as soon as they walk in the building. How huge is that going to be? It's important. Uh, it's important. And the, the reason why is just from a communication piece, you know. Um, it's just like me speaking English and then going to try to learn, you know, Japanese. You know, I'm going to – it's going to take time and uh, it's going to be perplexing at time. But now, you know, the communication is the same. And uh, that really, really helps – uh, put people at ease and also helps people move faster. And, uh, you know, and the coaches, man, they, they do an awesome job of providing stability, not only on the field, but off the field as well. You know, guys can trust guys. They know that we care about them. And uh, big that we got everybody back. Talk about the talent on the field that you're welcoming back because I think we're so far removed from everything that happened last year that people forget, even though you lose uh, Javon Craig or you lose – a Sean Whittinghill, there is a 
huge wealth of talent coming back for this team. Yeah, and it is, we are very talented. I would be remiss to say that we're not. Uh, but at the same time, that's just on paper. And so I guess the, the thing about this year is that, you know, with COVID going on and just the uncertainty of it all is that you don't really know who's going to be playing just because of testing and all that good stuff right there. So we're really talented. We are. We are. But at the same time, I don't care if you're a, sh- a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, or senior, you got to be ready to play. And obviously, we know experience really matters. Uh, and we know, you know, guys who played more ball usually have more success. So we got to worry about getting the guys who have experience on the field, keeping them healthy. And once again, I'm going to come back just the word of sacrifice of making sure that the team is really, really important to you. Because if it is, you know, you will follow the CDC guidelines. You will you will wear a mask. You will hand sanitize. And you will limit, you know, your amount of contact that you have outside of the building. And so, you know, we can stress that to the kids. But at the end of the day, they're kids. They're going to, you know, try to have some fun. And, and I don't blame them. I've been in their shoes too. But uh, once again, sacrifice how important the team is to you. That's kind of the message we're going to preach on on moving forward. After winning a title last year, there are expectations and big expectations around here. I mean, you're you're charged with meeting and exceeding some expectations that going into a season are loftier than they've ever been for this program. Right. How how do you respond to that? Just go to work every day. Go to work every single day. There's not a day that can be can be taken off and uh, I think the kids know that's how how we kind of roll as a staff and that we're going to roll our sleeves up and go to work and do the best job we can may the chips fall where they may you know what I'm saying like you know we can't always control everything but what we control our daily actions and our daily actions will kind of speak for themselves in a work manner and so that's what we plan on doing and that's my expectation for the staff is to let's come in let's do what's best for the kids let's go to work and may the chips fall where they may. What are you most looking forward to about this chance? Just an opportunity, man. I've been dreaming about this for a long, long time. I mean, I, I, I mean, ever since I was in high school, I think, you know, if you see people, different people post or whatnot, they know this is all I've been talking about as a dream of mine. And I'm getting to live my dream, you know, whether it's interim, whether it's non-interim, whether it's for December, whether it's still April, whether it's for five years, ten years. I can go in my grave saying that I was a head coach for, you know, a, a time. And so – I'm going to give it all I got. Everything I got, I'm going to give to it. And uh, I'm going to walk on, and that's just my mentality. We're going to – I'm going to give you every ounce I got. And, you know, whether – you know, may, may the chips fall as they may. And so I, I just will give the kids in this program everything I have from a physical and mental standpoint in order for us to be successful. Are you familiar with the term elevator pitch? I am not. Tell me. Uh, it's where if you're on an elevator with – somebody you recognize a CEO or something and you want to pitch them on something, you got the length of the elevator ride to tell them what your great idea is. Give me your elevator pitch for Austin B. Football. Elevator pitch is this. <clears throat> Come out and support the Govs. We're a top 25 FCS program. Get the stadium rocking. Let's create an electric atmosphere. Let's get behind our kids and let's make Clarksville, Fortera Stadium, the toughest place to play in the FCS. I think we're well on our way to that. Coach, I know you got a thousand different things you got to be doing today. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to come in and talk to me. Colby, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
Chewbacca. <laughs>